Okay, Second Kings. Um, we continue with Elijah. Elijah does a lot of miracles. Uh, we don't have time to go through all of them. Um, but Elisha is the one who succeeds Elijah. And he, he follows Elijah when Elijah is going to be taken, taken up. And um, uh, he, he's left a double portion. Okay. And I think, I th- if my memory serves me correct, Elijah did seven miracles, and then Elisha does 14. He actually does double. And the, the last one he does, he does when he's, he's actually dead. Uh, his body is, is buried in a cave, and some soldiers... Their friend dies and they're like, oh, where do we put this guy? And they threw him in the cave and he lands on the bones of Elisha and comes back to life. Uh, and so that's the, the 14th miracle. He, he, he does a, has a double portion. Um, Probably back to life. Yeah. That's what the scripture says, yeah. Um, that's what they meant, touch not my anointed. <laughs> 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 might come back to life. <laughs> Okay, so in Second Kings, again, we also have some very interesting stories. Uh, we have Naaman healed of leprosy uh, by this young... Uh, well, she's, he's pointed to Elisha by the, the young Hebrew girl um, who is taken as a slave. And so this is quite a remarkable um, account, this... Uh, it's chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Syria. So the Syria is to the north of Israel. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. So he had leprosy. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel. And she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. So you, you, can, you can use poetic license in that situation, I mean, she's a little girl abducted by this raiding army, uh, taken away from her family. Uh, it's a horrific situation. And yet she, she, in that situation that nobody would choose, she uh, serves the Lord. And she... Verse 3, she said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. Isn't that amazing? She's like, if only my master could, could get to the prophet, he would be cured. You would think, you know, most of us would be full of hatred and wanting, I hope he dies and it serves him right and all of those things. But she, she's a wonderful example of, of a faithful Israelite um, honoring the Lord it's just a fantastic example, you know, that uh, even no matter the situation, there can be contentment and uh, joy in, in serving the Lord. Okay, so um, yeah, there's some, yeah, it's a bit of a shame we have to rush over some of these stories, but it would <coughs> encourage everyone to, to read them for themselves. Um, there's some wonderful miracles that that happen. Um, 
the Syrians do do attack uh, Israel, and um, the the under Ben Hadad, chapter six, verse twenty four. But they uh, go to chapter seven. Verse 5, so they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, but when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. Now, this is four men, verse 3, now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? And so they get up and they go to the camp of the Syrians and they find there's no one there. Verse 6, for the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold the king of Israel, etc., etc. And they fled and they left their camp. Uh, Verse 8, and when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. And they came back and then they said to one another, verse 9, We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let us go and tell the king's household. So, uh, <coughs> they, they, you know, it's a real windfall. They come upon the camp of the Syrians. No one's there. All the treasure is left and the food and clothing and everything. They're just taking it. And then they say, you know, what we're doing is not right. We have good news. We should go and tell others uh, so it's a, you know, I think it's a, it's a good analogy of, for us in the gospel, you know, if we have good news, God has had mercy upon us, we're lepers, uh, le- leprosy is, is a f- sort of physical picture of, of sin. Okay, it's not saying if you have leprosy you're a sinner, it's, it's an image of sinfulness. We are lepers and God has given us such a great treasure we should tell others okay um, then we go through some of these kings we have Jehu in chapter 9 I like Jehu because um, in uh, verse 20 again the watchman reported so they're looking from the tower of the city and they're looking out across the land and they see some chariots and um, the watchman reported he reached them, but he is not coming back. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. Okay, so he was uh, the first fast and furious. Uh, was, sorry, was Jehu. Was that why you liked him, Pastor? I was waiting. Because he, he, like, he, like, he, he likes driving fast. <laughs> <laughs> So he, he drove his chariot. Everyone could tell if Jehu was driving. Um, no, no, he did other things. He was, uh, when, he is, when he is made king, he does a lot of good. Uh, one of the things he does is he gets rid of Jezebel. So um, he comes to Jezreel. Remember the prophecy? Je- Jezebel, the dogs will eat her within the walls of Jezreel. So he comes to Jezreel and um, 
This is chapter 9, verse 30. When Jehu came to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out of the window. Okay, so she makes herself look beautiful, uh, alluring. Verse 31, and as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it peace, you Zimri, murderer of your master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked at him, out at him. He said, throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood spattered on the wall and on the horses, and they trampled on her. Then he went in and ate and drank. And he said, see now to this cursed woman and bury her, for she is a king's daughter. But when they went to bury her, they found no more of her than, than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. And then it says, because the dogs ate her. Wow. Okay. So the prophecy was fulfilled. Um, so, um, it's a quick one, just, just for like a chronological thing. After Ahab died, who then took over from Ahab? Oh, uh, uh, it's Jehu. Jehu. Oh, okay. Jehu. Yeah, so it's confusing. So, this is one of the things. Is that the, as you read through uh, Kings, the, he alternates between north and south. Mm. And the timelines don't overlap perfectly. It's not as though when the king in the north is changed, the king in the south is also changed. So um, you need to get a timeline. So you can get those on, on, on Google, timeline of the kings. Um, but Jehu, unfortunately, um, he did a lot of good. Look at verse 28 of chapter 10. This Jehu wiped out Baal from Israel, but Jehu did not turn aside from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which he made Israel to sin, that is, in the golden calves. Verse 31. But Jehu was not careful to walk in the law of the Lord, the God of Israel, with all his heart. He did not turn from the sins of Jeroboam, which he made Israel to sin. So there's always this almost, but not, not quite. Yeah. What sin was this? The sins of David. The sins of Jeroboam, the golden calves. <clears throat> oh, okay. yeah. he didn't get rid of those. Yeah, he got rid of Baal, mm. but he didn't get rid of the golden calves. Okay. Um, so let's move on. So there's all these kings, and you can go through them. But eventually it comes to an end... Chapter 17, 2 Kings chapter 17, it's the fall of Israel. So here's another important date. So remember I said to you, 9.30 is when the kingdom is divided. And then 7.22 BC is when Israel falls. Okay. God raises up the Assyrians under Shalmaneser. Uh, to and when we go through the prophets, we'll see the prophets prophesying this. So yeah, a question I had, <coughs> I saw like I think in, I forgot which chapter, not the earlier chapters with the Na Naaman. Naaman, yes. Naaman, Naaman, that he was like a general or something. He was a Syrian, was yeah, Syrians. Syrian, yeah. So yeah, why would God sort of um, help another nation? Faith and 
So, yeah, because of faith. So throughout the scriptures, those who believe God, it doesn't matter which nation they're, they're from. So, we, Wait, so the Syrians sort of knew God? No, because remember, Naaman knew God because of the Israelite slave girl. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, oh, okay. Um, the Ninevites under Jonah will be saved. So wow. Nineveh later on. Um, so, yeah, these are... So you'll just, see. just one guy who's in charge of the army. That's all it takes. Wow. Yeah, look, not many are saved. Very few from the other nations are saved. Okay. It's only at Pentecost in Acts where there's mm. an explosion. Um, okay. And we'll look at that, what happens there. It's because of what Christ does that mm. that changes. Okay, but... Uh, 722 BC, Israel falls. God judges them. Deuteronomy 28. So they, they exist for about 200 years. Just over 200 years. Um, and God is patient with them. They have a lot of kings, so the kings don't reign for very long. But uh, they're, they're wicked kings, and God judges them. And they were supposed to be a lesson to Judah. Okay. The prophets again will pick up on that. Judah, you know, it's the same in, in life. If you have a friend who does something stupid and there's consequences for it. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, you'd be pretty dumb to do the same thing yourself. <laughs> okay. So that's the idea. Judah, Judah is more accountable because they saw what happened to Israel. They saw the judgment of God because Israel refused to obey God. And so they should have listened. Um, okay, so now we're left with just Judah. What happens with Israel is that the, the king gets some of the other nations he's conquered to come and move in. And they start to intermarry. So he tries to sort of dilute the culture and break it down. And that's where we get the Samaritans from. Sometimes this area, Israel, is also called Samaria. Okay. Why, why, uh, anyone know a Samarian in the Bible? The woman at the well. The woman at the well. Yes. Okay. So remember, she's... What does she say to Jesus, John 4, when, when he, he says, can I have some water, please? What does she say to him? You want to have dealings with him? Now, why are you a Jew asking oh, me, okay. water from me? Because the Jews said, you guys are half-breeds. Okay? You are not pure Israelites. Because of what happened in the judgment, they'd say you, they, they were looked down upon and rejected. They were, they were, that's, that's why the, the gospel goes from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, <coughs> the outermost parts of the world. When Jesus says the good Samaritan, the reason that's so shocking is because yeah. Jesus is taking somebody, think of, you know, in history, the ethnic groups that hate each other. If you take the ethnic group and hold it up, the one that you hate, as the example, mm. it's, that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, because uh, the person's saying, well, who's my neighbor? Well, even the Samaritans. But that's their history. That's what happens. So 722, 
they are defeated by the Assyrians and he brings in, and that's quite a common thing in, in history, um, you know, trying to bring other... other in Braveheart, the movie Braveheart, the English try to outbreed the Scots. Yeah, or, or, they'll, or they'll bring other, other nations in. Okay, so um, Hezekiah then reigns in Judah, chapter 18. Now, Hezekiah is one of the good kings. So when we think of, if you think of good kings, there's really only sort of three that come to mind. It's David, Hezekiah, Let's get another cloth just to try. And Josiah. Um, and as we know, you know, David's not perfect, nor are Hezekiah and Josiah, but they they're 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 recognized as good kings. Verse three of chapter eighteen, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that David his father had done. He removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah. And he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. And you see how idolatrous people are. That bronze serpent that was lifted up in numbers, they began to worship it. Okay, So you can see he's, he, he, he's radical. Um, but... The, the, uh, um, the Syrians don't, are not satisfied with just uh, you know, the northern kingdom. They want to take Judah as well. I mean, they've conquered this, the north, and they want to come for the south. And so they, <coughs> they say they're coming, and um, Isaiah the prophet... Assures Hezekiah, no, trust the Lord. And um, Hezekiah prays to the Lord. And the Lord, um, uh, the Lord killed, look at verse 35 of chapter 19. And the ni- that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. So they didn't even have to go and fight. Uh, the Lord went and killed the Assyrians and they just withdrew. Okay. They left. And so God preserved Jerusalem, um, saved Hezekiah. Hezekiah, though, later on is afraid. And in chapter 20, he wants, he wants support. Okay, so you you'd make alliances. Okay, that's the way it worked. But of course, if you belong to God, you shouldn't make alliances because that's not trusting the Lord. Mm. Don't make alliances with other nations because that means you're relying on them. And Hezekiah, in fear, does make an alliance and he makes an alliance with Babylon and he welcomes the Babylonian envoy and he shows them the treasures of Jerusalem and all of these things. 
and judgment comes upon him. He says, Isaiah comes to him and says, um, because of what you've done, the Lord's going to raise up the Babylonians and they will, they will destroy. But it won't happen in your lifetime. Hezekiah is actually like, it's not going to happen in my lifetime. <laughs> Uh, Could he not sort of try and unite Israel and Judah? It sort of ceases to exist in that way. Okay. It's so diluted and becomes... That people even talk of the lost tribes of Israel. It's not that the ten lost tribes, there's even books, and then you get you know, people, people claiming to be the lost tribe or something. Oh, okay. It's not that they were lost, because even in the New Testament you find... Um, people mention and their tribes and they're mentioned they're from this tribe which was one of the ten <laughs> tribes but it's not it's it's it wasn't god's plan at that time yeah okay uh, manasseh takes over from hezekiah and manasseh again is one of the most evil kings he he undoes everything that that um his father had done And then Ammon, and then chapter 22, Josiah. Josiah reigns in Judah. Josiah repairs the temple. They actually start repairing the temple. And while they're repairing the temple, they discover the, the law, the Bible. It's like, it's like going to church. Mm-hmm. We're fixing the church, and we're like, hey, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> That's, they actually discover the law. Like, you mean like the physical scrolls? The scriptures, the, the scrolls. They so must have been hidden. Deuteronomy, hit- up to Deuteronomy, though. Yes, yeah, okay. that's how I would understand it, yeah. So it was pretty much actually Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Genesis was written at that time. Yes, yes, okay. it was Moses, remember? Yes, okay. So how, did they just forget about it? So, again, remember that there was no printing press. Yeah. Uh, scrolls are very expensive, so it's not that everyone had one, they were just lying around and and there was a bookshop where you could just go. They were rare, but it was because the the uh, the kings and the priests had all apostatized, and even in the temple started worshiping false gods. So of course they're not going to be using the the scrolls. So someone packs them away somewhere, and that's the end of it. But they discover it, and then they start reading it. And they start reading what God has said. And uh, Josiah starts, they call, we call it Josiah's reforms. He starts to say, we need to do what the scriptures say. And that's all true reformation is, is that, even in, throughout history, is, is back to, there's, even in the reformation in the 16th century, one of the, sort, one of the mottos was ad fontes, which means back to the fountain or back to the source. And they were saying back to the scriptures. And so any true reformation is going to take us back to God's word. Mm. And so they go back to God's word and he starts reforming and it's really good, but it's too little, too late. God's people have gone too far. Um, he restores the Passover. <clears throat> they hadn't been keeping the Passover, uh, but he is killed. Um, so now... It's who's killed? Josiah. Josiah, yeah. Um, so our map again. Uh, Egypt over here. 
got the Lake of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Jerusalem is about here. We've got um, Syria, and then the Babylonian, Babylon is over here. This Babylon is, is, is starting to become the superpower of the area. You don't go across here, this is desert, you'd always come, remember it's the Fertile Crescent, they would always come down from the top. The Egyptians and the Syrians make an alliance to try and stop them. And so, so the Pharaoh travel, Pharaoh Nico travels through here uh, to go and help the Syrians. As they go through Israel, Josiah decides to attack them and he is is killed. So this, I think, I think this is 605 BC or, or 608. Um, because they meet at Carchemish and they're defeated by the Babylonians at 605 BC. And that's where the first invasion is 605 BC. So just keep this in the back of your mind. So remember, this is the history. We're going to come back and do the prophets and then the prophets are going to slot into the history. So within the history, we have three deportations by the Babylonians. So the first deportation, they take the best. So who do you think goes in that first deportation? Daniel. Daniel. Okay. Then there's another deportation, 597, and then the final destruction in 586 BC. Okay. Um, so and that's the fall of of uh, Jerusalem there is uh, the king at the time <clears throat> is um, uh, Jehoiakim and then uh, Jehoiachin so there you can see Jerusalem is captured on uh, chapter 24 And uh, Jehoiachin is, so the last chapter, chapter 25, verse 27. In the 37th year of the exile of Jehoiachin, king of Judah, in the 12th month, on the 27th day of the month, evil Merodach, king of Babylon, in the year that he began to reign, graciously freed Jehoiachin, king of Judah, from prison. And he spoke kindly to him. And he's sort of set free. He's allowed to eat at the king's table. He's given an allowance. And that's how Second Kings ends. So it ends with the line of David being in captivity in Babylon. But it's a little bit hopeful because he's, he's released. But, of course, he's not a king reigning anywhere. Okay. That brings us to Chronicles. So now, I haven't really told you the purpose of these books. Just <laughs> told you sort of some of what happens. Now, many people don't really read Chronicles because after, when you, if you start, it starts off, first of all, it starts with about nine chapters of genealogies. Okay, so most people are like, no, I don't have time for that. Uh, but there's a lot of nuggets in there. So I've, I've been preaching through Chronicles, so you can go and listen those sermons. We don't have time to go through it now, but uh, the other thing is that Chronicles covers a, 
a lot of the same stories as King. So again, many people start to feel, well, I've read this before. I've read this in Kings. Let me just read another book because I, yeah, I know this, some of this stuff. Uh, just again, reminder, in the Jewish book, there's only Kings and Chronicles. It's not first and second, first and second. Okay. Um, okay, but now they are written for different purposes. So when we, when we get to the New Testament, remember that there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Three of them are what we call the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic. Optic is look. Syn means, S-Y-N means together. Okay? Like a synergy, working together. Uh, synoptic means you're looking together at something. So the three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, why we say three, John is very different. John is, you know, off on his own thing. Um, but Matthew, Mark, Luke are very similar. Lots of stories overlap. But they all have different audiences in mind and they have different intentions. So they also edit what they, what they keep in and what they leave out. And that's what's going on with First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. While there's a lot of similar material, they have different intentions and they're also careful at what they leave in and what they take out. Okay. So First and Second Kings ends halfway through the exile. So the Babylonians come and they take most of the Jews into exile in Babylon. And it's for 70 years. Halfway through, we just read there, that's sort of where it ends, the middle of the exile. What Kings does, because the Israelites, while they're in, in exile, they cry out to God. Why are we here? Where are you? What have you done? Okay. Kings tells them, this is why you are in exile. It shows them how bad they've been. Okay? It shows them God's patience, but it shows them their sin all the way through. How they've rejected God, how they've not walked in David's ways, how they've walked after Ahab and Jeroboam. So this is really answering the question, why are we here in exile? Kings tells you why. Here's your history. You've not obeyed me. You've not listened to me. And what did I tell you in Deuteronomy? If you don't obey me, this is what's going to happen. Chronicles is much later. Um, Chronicles, uh, we don't know. Ex with both of these, we don't know who wrote them or if it was a group of people writing them. Some people say Kings was written by Jeremiah. Uh, Chronicles, most people think, was written by Ezra. Um, because if you turn to Second Chronicles chapter 36... Um, from verse 22, it talks about Cyrus and his decree, verse 23, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may the Lord, his God, be with him. Let him go up. Then if you go across the page to Ezra, chapter 1, Verse 2, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to... You see, it's the same, exactly the same. So it's written later, just to give you a timeline. 
Okay, so uh, 9.30, the kingdom is divided. 7.22, Israel, Israel falls. 5.86, sometimes 7, 5.87 depends which commentary you read. That's when Babylon destroys Jerusalem. Um, 538 is... 605, the first destruction? Yes, it's true. The big one is 5.86 because that's when Jerusalem is destroyed and the temple is destroyed. 605 is sort of where they conquer. 597 is where they come back and give them a bit of a hiding because they're a bit rebellious. 586, they're like, these guys just continue to be rebellious. We need to wipe them out. Um, 538 is the decree of Cyrus. So Cyrus is a Medo-Persian king. That's the next empire that rises up. Okay. So, um, this is, remember, it's Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king who conquers Jerusalem. And we read about him in Daniel. Hey? And he has Daniel in. Daniel is apocalyptic literature. He gives us these visions, which we'll look at. Um, but God raises up Cyrus, or Darius, as is, so they have a Medo name and a Persian name. Um, and he conquers the Babylonians. It's quite remarkable how he does it. Uh, and he then... He then says, okay, Jewish exiles, you can go home. And I will fund the rebuilding of the temple. Okay, It's quite something. Mm. And uh, he's prophesied about, Isaiah prophesies about him. Um, as Cyrus is as the servant of the Lord. Okay, so the people that return to Jerusalem... They start coming back to Jerusalem in dribs and drabs. So they were in Babylon. Um, now they're returning back home decades later. They return back home and it's um, you know, a broken city. It's a ruin. Uh, there are other tribes that have, that have come in. But it's very discouraging. There's not many of them that return. And they start to... Be very discouraged. Where is God? They're then encouraged to God sends uh, prophets like Ezra and Nehemiah for them to, to rebuild the temple. They start off, they do the you know, they do a little bit, they build an altar, then they stop. Then they're encouraged to carry on again. And they so they're building the wall, they've got a spade in one end and not sword in the other. Then later on, yeah, the wall around the city, it's 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 all a mess. There's no glory. Mm. When they do fe eventually finish the second temple, um, the, the old people who remember Solomon's temple are crying. The youngsters are like rejoicing. Yeah, we've built the temple. The old people are crying because they remembered the, the glory of Solomon's temple. Okay. <coughs> so they're very discouraged. First and second Chronicles does not even mention the northern kingdom. We don't read about all those evil kings. We don't, we don't even hear about all those problems. Uh, we don't read about the, um, the, the fighting after um, 
uh, when David becomes king. Uh, we don't read about the fighting when Solomon becomes king with him and Adonijah. We don't, it's almost like it's airbrushed, First and Second Chronicles. The mm-hmm. sin of David and Bathsheba is not mentioned, First and Second Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the terrible things, the terrible kings, the terrible mm-hmm. actions are not mentioned. Now it's not, you know, reconstructionist history. It's it's history. Um, now we, you know, we are very much for objectivity. Or you know, you must report in an objective way. But really, there's no such thing. Nobody is objective or neutral. Uh, secondly, ancient history was never written like that. It was always intentional to get a message across. Okay, and so what the chronicler is doing is trying to encourage the people who have returned to Jerusalem, and it's a mess, and they don't want to build a temple, and they've lost confidence. How can we believe there's going to be a Messiah from the line of David? Because look at us, we're, you know, we're, where is he? We're, we're not even rulers in our own country anymore. Okay, so they're really discouraged. So First and Second Chronicles, the main themes are the, the ten, who they are. That's why that, that genealogy is there, those first nine chapters. It's to, it's to give them their roots, okay? To give them identity. Who are we? You're the people of God. Then it's to remind them that, no, God has chosen David. Okay? David, the greater David, will come. Okay? They are to rebuild the temple. They are to worship. Worship is, is a huge theme in, in, in Chronicles. And prayer is a huge theme. Pray. So, what the chronicler is doing is showing them, no, God still loves you. You are still God's people. Build a temple. Um, have confidence in the prophecies about, about David. Okay. So, you can see the different, the different uh, intentions in the authors. Okay. So, the one is saying, okay, the one is answering the question for those in exile, why are we here? Well, you're bad. Okay. <laughs> You, you continue to sin against God and He has judged you. The people coming back, they're saying, it, God has forsaken us. There's no hope. What's the point? Well, no. He's in control. Trust Him. You are His people. Uh, he, will, he will fulfill His promises. Okay. And I mean, if you take broad strokes, that's also true for us. Hey, sometimes we're like, Lord, why is this happening? Well, you're sinning. That's why. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not always. I mean, God, we know that there's like Job and things like that. But often, mm. often bad things are because of our sin. And then sometimes we feel the Lord doesn't love us. What's the point? Well, no, He does love us. He loves His people. and um, So those are the broad themes of uh, Kings and Chronicles. I see our, t- our time is up. I don't know. Any questions or... Nothing from my mind. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for our time together. Even though we've had to rush, I do pray that um, it would have been a blessing and give us more understanding of your word. Thank you that Uh, We are your people, Lord, and sometimes it doesn't always feel like it or look like it. We can get discouraged and our situations can weigh us down, but 
Uh, may we remember that we belong to you and you love us and that we should be about building your kingdom and worshiping you and praying to you. And uh, thank you, Lord Jesus, for your love for us. Amen. Amen.